We are couch surfing today on Ingle Radio, the podcast. Darren Millar, along with the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, Kevin Woodley, David Hutchison, and Woodley, can you, before we get into some really cool topics and uh, and some developments in the National Hockey League with Andre Vasilevsky, tell the people what's happening today, where you are at. Oh, we're on the couch. Me and Hutch are in my basement on the couch. This is like every you know podcast blogger's stereotype coming to life. You're, you're on the pace the, in the basement at your parents' place, except I guess it's my place and Hutch is the dad. So now I'm confused. Listen, we're together. He's over here in Vancouver for the weekend, so we decided to make this an in-person type thing. He's looking very comfortable on my couch, I should add, and it is a comfortable couch. Kevin means to say, coming to you live from the Vancouver studios of Ingoal Media Incorporated. That's incorporated? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't know we were incorporated, or you were incorporated. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're incorporated. Oh, yeah. Why Why is Hutch so much more casual than Woody? Does this not reflect our personalities? No, I consider you the more like dialed in person and you have Woody's not been the, around here enough then, Darren. You're just Woody's getting an image of me across Zoom because I'm the chill one and Woody's the uptight one. This is what it is. That's hmm. actually pretty accurate. I'm not gonna contradict anything that Hutch just said. I am the I am the stick up his ass guy in this relationship. <laughs> We, uh, we have some great stuff uh, to get to on the website and uh, a great interview with Corey Schneider, the recently retired uh, National Hockey League goaltender. Our gear segment today is going to involve the uh, Brian's slash graphic. Uh, that's coming up uh, straight ahead. But uh, what's happening on the website right now? Lots. Lots. And just before we hit up the website, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome the Oakville Rangers Hockey Association because as of the publication of this podcast, they have um, brought to in goal every single goaltender in their association, recreational goaltenders, rep goaltenders, all of the Oakville Rangers goaltenders and one goalie coach per team are all now members of the in goal family. And we just think it is awesome that they've decided to include us as part of their development plan for the season. Yeah, super exciting and kind of tying it right into the website. Like what better time? to bring in an entire association of goaltenders and goaltending coaches that at a time when we're introducing all these new concepts and ideas and articles and ways and videos and ways to get better as a young goaltender. I mean, we've had a couple beauties up this week, in addition to our usual pro reads uh, featuring, you know, guys like Loren Bressois, Linus Elmark, Thatcher Demko, Devin Levi. We've got a couple of great articles up right now. Goalie Tennis by Thomas Spear. A game that, that can actually we always hear. I like watching that. It's fun. If you think it's fun to watch, you should see how excited the goalies are to play it. And it's competitive. It's a great way to end a practice. And it's gonna get you better at moving in and around your net, stopping rims and making quick transitions and shooting the puck. It's it's a great drill game slash game designed by Thomas Spear while we were up in Kelowna uh at the net three sixty camp that we finally had a chance to sort of produce the video and and create that. Uh, Kristen Campbell of the Canadian Olympic program and her coach with the Canadian national team, Brad Kirkwood, with some just honestly, they're so simple that it's stunning to me we don't see it more, but just fantastic advice on how to become a better puck handler without having to create a special game or special drills, just every day in practice, making sure you get your touches in. Um, so just again, 
we always hear this from head coaches and goalie coaches. They want their goalies to be better at handling the puck, but so often they don't know where to start in terms of giving them the tools to do so. And just a couple more examples uh, up at ingolmag.com right now of ways to do that. Without, again, whether it's a fun drill at the end of practice or actually just not changing anything in practice, there are things we are missing at every level that will allow goalies to get better at doing it. And we're just not implementing them and some great examples on how to. I just love knowing that we're going to see both of these articles have an impact on goalies and goalie coaches around the world this week. I mean, I know it's this week, Darren, because I'm a coach too. And my goalies saw this on social and arrived at practice that day. Can we play goalie tennis today? And then we've had notes from other goalie coaches who've already implemented it in their practice. I just think it's awesome that some of these really great drills, these great tips are happening everywhere. I guarantee you, you will see that at 90% of goalie schools around North America next year. Because goalie instructors are always looking for different ways to be creative with their drills. And that works on everything that the goalie school will be working on and addressing anyway. But it adds some urgency and involves two goaltenders at the same time and keeps people going. And and, and it's brilliant. Now, and fun. Do we do we do we share the true origins of it? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Top secret may have may have been invented while doing karaoke. Woody, you just said you wouldn't and then you did. We're just going to leave it at that. Okay. May have been it may have been invented well during a karaoke session during the Net360 camp. But these goalie coaches are always thinking. It goes to show you even when they're out having an enjoying themselves, they're always thinking about ways to help goalies get better. And Thomas Woody Spears singing no Thomas Spears praises. I don't care where it is created. Like some of the greatest inventions of all time happen at the most uh, remote or unexpected locations so i'm i'm fine with it whatever gets the creative juices going juices juices <laughs> and even, even more juices spike juices uh, if if that's the case um a couple of things uh the oakville uh rangers you talked about that like it makes sense i'd never thought of that. it's it is that one of the first organizations that's that's done something like this or uh is it a, a bit of a trend that's that's happened the last a little while well, we hope it's the start of a trend. First, minor hockey organization, but we should give a shout out to the Goalie Training Institute in Ontario that also did this with their summer camps. And of course, their summer camp students aren't just summer camp students, they're year long, right? So that's part of a program that they run year long. So they've instituted this as well. Again, the idea here is if we want to get better as goaltenders, then we want to access all the tools available to us. And that's what we try and do here at Ingle is give you tools that maybe you haven't heard of before the pro reads the chance to see how pros break down a play how they analyze how in real time they make decisions on depth and save selections and post integration so the next time you see that you can think in those terms whether you apply it the same way as them at least yours or not you're still at least thinking in those terms of what you're looking for what you're trying to identify and so um to me it's you're right, Darren. It's kind of a no-brainer, and maybe it's something we need to promote a little more. I guess that's what we're doing right now here on the podcast. But um, yeah, if you've got a minor hockey organization, because quite often what we see in minor hockey organizations is they'll be funding and players will have certain things and they'll just... I've seen it here locally. It's like, oh, here's there's money for the goalies. How do you want to spend it on their development? 
And sometimes they'll bring in a local goalie coach. And that's great. I, like, we're not saying don't do that. But at, given how cheap it is to get in goal, to have access to advice, tips, and drills from the best in the world for $50 a year. And if we're talking about doing an organization wide, obviously we'd be talking about a bulk discount. Make sure you you reach out to us at info at ingolmag.com if you've got questions on how to do this for your organization. We're glad that people are seeing the value there. Uh, we think it's incredible value. And so hopefully more organizations follow suit. On the puck handling point of view with uh, Ms. Campbell, that's a mindset. And it's an easy, easier mindset to, to come around. If you're a practice and you've got... 30 seconds or two minutes, do something productive playing with a puck and not, you can, doesn't have to be hardcore stuff, but just in, invest in it, make it a mindset. It is. And I think we, I mean, we've seen lots of goalies just when they have some free time playing with the puck, as you say, Darren, but I think this is a nice one in that it gives the coach a mindset as to how they can use their goaltender in practice. And it's not rocket science. What's happening here. You know, I've seen a contrast of a few different coaches with teams I've done some work with in the past. You know, how many how many teams start a practice with just recurring breakouts just to sort of get the legs moving for the players and the coach will soft dump the puck into the corner repeatedly. And then you sort of think to yourself, well, is this what happens all game long or do you expect your goalies to handle the pucks? And then you'll see other coaches that make the goaltender handle the puck over and over and over again because that's what they want to see happen in the game. So I think it's it's great to teach young goaltenders to have the mindset of play with the puck. But I'm really happy now that we're starting to see some coaches that have developed that mindset that they want to get their goaltenders involved in practice, not just in games. We saw a slow rollout uh, at training camp for the Tampa Bay Lightning with Andre Vasilevsky uh, talking about just uh, taking it easy. Uh, it's a long training camp and they'll uh, work him his way in. Uh, little did we know that they were actually dealing with a back injury and Vasilevsky ends up having surgery and he's gone upwards of uh, 10 weeks. So we've got a couple of months here oh, without Andre Vasilevsky with the Tampa Bay Lightning. In 10 weeks, when he comes back, do you think, gentlemen, that the Tampa Bay Lightning will have gone out and acquired a goaltender as opposed to what Julian Breesbaugh initially says, is that Jonas Johansson will be the guy that they'll lean on along with a couple of guys within their organization. Uh, Woody? I don't know. Let me first have a little time, because some people have asked about the surgery itself, right? Having a disectomy, discectomy, easy for me to say, and what that might entail down the line. And it's funny, I had some people reach out and ask me if I can think of other goaltenders that haven't. It's a, you know, that I don't know. We've seen like Jacob Ingham had had back surgery. Jonathan Quick had back surgery, although I don't think that was a discectomy. The best example I can give of a goaltender having this procedure and coming back from it, and this might not bode well for Tampa Bay Lightning fans, is me. Yeah. So you're familiar with the recovery. Yeah, I, I, I had this, I had this exact procedure like I want to say seven or eight years ago okay. uh, at the end of a season. How invasive, how challenging, and uh, if uh, you're talking about coming back and and being an elite athlete, uh, would that recovery be? Well, I'd say as I wouldn't know what the recovery would be for an elite athlete, <laughs> <laughs> elite beer league athlete. <laughs> for a beer league, honestly, though, two months, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back sooner. It was. I remember having it. And it was. 
is like they turn like they turned the pain off when I had it, and it was it was a miserable five months waiting for the surgery. Once I had it, it was like everything was fixed. Now I know not everyone has the same experience. Um, I remember having to start slow in bed for a couple of days, and then just do start with walking and stuff. Uh, but I am far from an elite athlete, and I was playing hockey by the end of the summer without any problems. Um, you know, they do tell you things like, hey, like there's a risk once you've sort of had it cleaned up in one disc, depending on how much fluid has come out of the disc and how, you know, how, how much less sort of support is in there remaining that you can sort of start to blow them out up the chain and it can become a recurring problem. I've never had any of that. It's been as long as I do my work and, and sort of try and stay relatively in shape. It it hasn't been a problem since. Not once have I felt that same twinge that that led to the surgery. And like I said, I got to think that Vasilevsky's in about I don't know a hundred times better shape than I am. Uh, of course, he also puts his body in a hundred times more contorted positions than I ever do. Um, you know, I just fall forward and land on my face. He twists and catches pucks behind his back. So, I, like, I just don't think there's any worry on that side of things. And I think it could be a lot sooner than the ten week maximum you outlined. As far as what they do in the meantime, Darren. Who knows? Um, they're obviously big on Jonas Johansson. I think there were a lot of people that thought maybe they needed more depth or a different name behind Vasilevsky this year. And it sounds like they're convinced he's the guy. We'll see whether they add somebody and it might not be a signing or a trade. Like, look at the names that are going to be available on the waiver wire. We've already seen a claim, right? Columbus grabbed Spencer Martin from the Vancouver Canucks yesterday. Uh, guys like Martin Jones. Guys like... Magnus Helberg or Andre Nedeljkovic, depending on how that pans out in Pittsburgh. Like one of those guys is going on the waiver wires. Look at how many times Helberg changed teams last year. So there are going to be proven NHL goaltenders available on waivers before the start of the season. And maybe Tampa goes that route. Maybe it is a trade. Um, a lot of talk in Calgary about what's going to happen with Dan Vladar and, and, Jacob Markstrom, given that Dustin Wolf appears ready, does he go back to the American Hockey League just because he doesn't need to clear waivers? It's you know it's going to be a fascinating situation. It's, it points in that direction right now, and Craig Conroy sort of hinted at that. Yeah, and so which way to Yarl Halak? There's another name we'll talk about. Like Yarl Halak, to me, it's absurd he doesn't have a contract now. Maybe he only will go to certain places. Maybe he's got certain things in mind. He'd be a perfect fit. Like Yarrow's adjusted numbers over the last two seasons are like top 15 in the league. Like he's been that good in some cases on bad teams here in Vancouver, but even New York after a bit of a slow start. And he's a guy that we know really le- reads the game at an elite level. So maybe it takes a little longer to adjust to new teammates and dialing in those reads. But I mean, he was so good by the end of the season for the Rangers, won seven straight at one point. I got to think a guy like that could help the Tampa Bay Lightning in the short term. And of course, we know they're up against the cap and Vassy comes back, whether it's eight weeks or 10 weeks or sooner, um, you have to be able to fit them. So whoever you get, you either have to be committed to keeping them in the backup role. And I would suggest a guy like Clack probably doesn't have any interest in going down to Syracuse once Vassy is back. Or you you have to be willing to put Johansson on waivers if you sign somebody that you think is going to usurp him as the backup. And I'm not sure Tampa's willing to do that. I'd say one thing is if they don't go out and get somebody, if Julian Breesbaugh really believes he's got his guy in-house, kudos to him for having the courage. Because we've talked about this before, how NHL general managers are so risk adverse and so much want to cover for what could happen and the appearances 
I mean, if they keep it in-house and it doesn't go well, it's not going to look good on Tampa. If they go out and get the next best guy available and it blows up in their face, they can just say, well, we gave it our shot. It didn't work out. And uh, circumstances were against us. So if he really thinks he's got the right person in-house, uh, kudos to him and for giving him a shot. And one other name that we should mention, because a lot of the focus is on Johansson, Matt Tompkins is a guy who has changed a lot of things in his game this summer and how he prepares and how he trains. We, we all know the five damn things that were running at Ingle by James Wenlin. By the way, if you haven't checked them out already, go check them out at IngleMag.com. The five damn things for your hips has been a game changer for me in terms of staying healthy, especially when combined with Maria's Beer League program that I've started. Um, never felt better. But Matt's made some big changes and there was always a there was there was talent there, right? And so I don't I haven't seen camp, obviously. I'm not in Tampa Bay. I don't know what it looks like. You know, but maybe they've got something there too. And maybe they're confident enough to roll with that. And and as Hutch said, I think it's a great point. Like rather than you sort of hammer on them, if they truly believe it, then kudos to them for sort of sticking with it. Good on Breeze Bois and Frangin, who I, you know, as I understand it is you know, he's gone to bat for. He feels that Johansson's the guy. That's where this that decision comes from. And certainly Franz has enough of a track record that we should be taking him at his word on that. If there's not an obvious replacement uh, to fill in the 10 weeks for the Tampa Bay Lightning, then patience is the, the better uh, route. And uh, I commend Julian Breesbaugh for that. I believe that they'll go and sign somebody because they need as much flexibility as possible uh, under the salary cap. And that's the way to do it rather than a waiver claim where you're just picking up the salary and, and taking it. Uh, unless you, you pull a trade and somebody might uh, be able to eat some of that salary. But I don't, I don't see that happening. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, an eye on it. And it might be a week-to-week, game-to-game scenario for the Tampa Bay Lightning to see how this does eventually end up. Because you can get off to a good start and then ahead of a speed bump and and you might have to make an adjustment to on that side of it. Uh, but in that division, in that conference, it's a dogfight right now. And you lose the best goaltender in the world, in my opinion, then you're, uh, you're not dealing with uh, as much of a strength as you had before. I mean, you would know this as well as anyone from last season, Darren, like the rule of thumb now, right? You need three or four, maybe four guys in the crease yeah. to get through a season. And if nothing else, like what was already potentially a somewhat thin depth chart from an experience standpoint, not in terms of skill, but from an experience standpoint, takes a major hit at the top end from one of the few workhorses left in the league in Andre Vasilevsky. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing other teams now. Columbus gets Spencer Martin because, you know, there's concern about Tarasov coming off of the injury and a concern about the depth chart. Here in Vancouver, they lose Spencer Martin. It's funny because all the local media is like, oh, they had to get rid of a goalie. They have too many. And I'm like, well, now they basically have Thatcher Demko, Casey DeSmith, and Arthur Silovs, who's played five games. And then there's not a lot of NHL experience behind that. Zach Sachenko's had a, you know, has had a, had a taste. You know, everyone's like, oh, Tolapila will be the guy. I'm like, a lot of potential there, but he's never played a pro game in North America. Now you're including him on your NHL options in case of emergency break glass, we might need this guy. Like, so, you know, it, it really is incredible because you probably need four, but if you've got three even good ones, it's really hard to keep them all because of waivers. And there are other teams that see the same needs. 
Corey Schneider's in the green room. I know he's listening to all of this. So he's coming up, uh, the recently retired goaltender, uh, some uh, great stops. Uh, we know, uh, first and foremost, uh, Vancouver and then uh, to uh, the New Jersey Devils. But uh, boy, uh, the the idea that uh, that he retires virtually at the same time as this happens, you got to ask him about uh, about whether or not the cross his mind with Andre Vasilevsky going down in that opportunity. Uh, the gear segment uh, brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, everybody's working their way through it. I love the uh, the new uh, attendee fest setup that we uh, that was just put out yesterday. The, the guys are pumping that up. Uh, but uh, the gear segment uh, dealing with the Brian's slash graphic this week. What better way? We all know, and we've seen it. We saw it in the last episode. I think we ran the CCM Source for Sports exclusive that Cam has a role in negotiating. When you have the buying power, when you have of the Source for Sports behind you, when you have the expertise that Cam and his staff have to know what goalies want, you tend to bring in items that have that little extra something. And what better way to do that with Brian's than a custom graphic? I mean, Brian's was the custom goal company. I, Still, cut and sew custom graphics is their specialty. And so Cam has gone to Brian's and gotten a set of this unique graphic, and it's available at the hockey shop. And I, I don't know if it's going to... We're going to break down the specs here on the Ingle Radio podcast. But if there was ever a week where you need to go to the YouTube channel and check out the YouTube version of this gear segment, I would say this is it, just to see how sharp these look. Beauties. Just uh, before we get uh, to you and Cam, the the graphic it's a it's a sticker that that you no, put no, on. No, 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 no. It's cut and sew graphics. It's part okay. of the pad. It's as if I mean you and I, Darren, we could call up Brian's and order a set of gear as custom as we'd like it to be, and they would do it cut and sew. Yeah, the the old school way, not the print that the other companies are using now. But Cam does. Cam and his team designed their own graphic and had Brian's do a number of sets with this slash graphic in different color combinations. Because if you were to do it yourself, that's crazy. Yeah, and if that's you were so to do good. it yourself, of course, there's an upcharge, right? And and depending on how yeah. detailed you want to get, it can be significant. So basically, Cam's come up with a really cool design that you can get from the hockey shop with no upcharge in a setup of Brian's that combines sort of what they think are the most popular pad specs with the most popular glove spec. And in terms of the details of those specs, well, let's ask Cam. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're here back in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by just like goalie awesomeness, like Everywhere I look, except, it's like totally awesome, except here. <laughs> but ever back to make up for Cam's presence, we've got another. I do have presents. These are out of boy. Look at you with the dad jokes. These are. I don't want you shouting the word, but these feel a little source for. Well, they feel they're little, not so. No, they're no, no, no. Shot. Thank you. Exclusive. Absolutely. And what are we calling these beauties from Brian's? A right. alliteration for you there. Slash. This is the slash graphic? <laughs> so basically, this is just you ordering a custom graphic with a couple of unique options, bringing mm -hmm. it in for your customers because you plan on it being popular. Tell me why. Oh, and it has been. Well, tell me why. Other than the great looks. 
Tell me what you've done with this. First of all, tell me what we're looking at. Like, because we've got a couple different lines from Brian. Yes. So what do we got here? Okay, so. Optic, it looks optic-ish. Because <laughs> it is. Ooh. Okay, so we do have the Optic 3 leg pad. Nice. Optic 3 blocker. I just put those up there so nicely. Yes, I know. And then Genetic 5. Which Love. was sort of the most popular. The Genetic was the most more. I mean, get differences, nothing against those like optic gloves, but typically, oh, I love the eyes too. Like the Genetic, <laughs> the score was a popular glove. Yes. So once again, we're kind of going with like what, what has been most popular in terms of for you know, our sales and our customers and things like that, plus feedback. Um, genetic glove on purpose, um, definitely one of our best-selling gloves, um, you know, of all time, frankly. Uh, we did things a little bit different here. We have gone with a pro pump, so the glove itself is going to be a little bit stiffer off the shelf, but this is on purpose. This is going to help to aid in that longevity of this series because this graphic looks so good. You're going to want to keep wearing this this gear for quite a long time. We helped to improve the longevity of it. As Kevin pointed out, we do have the, the eyes are on it, that that does come stocked on the gloves themselves. It's a fun little thing. Uh, beyond the graphics, so what, like, are there any other custom options on this compared to a stock optic pad? No, so we're still getting that same stock uh, pad. The graphic is, what is the exclusive part here. Um, you're seeing exclusive. Many different colors. You can check them out, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, we try to represent your team the best we can, but like to be honest, they don't do it justice just on the pictures alone. You gotta check this stuff out if you're looking for something that's gonna pop, um, oh, especially pops. for your team. Exactly, exactly. So we got all these great colors. Um, walk me really quickly, folks. If you want it, if you if you're curious, you want to go back and check out what the optic pad was all about. We've got a review on it. If you want to know what the genetic five is all about, the glove, we've got a review on it. But quick highlights, Cam, on these like the optic, very stiff. Uh, from the knee up. Correct. Um, some of the highlights. Real max quick. core. So, max core. Yes, they do have the max core. So they are it's going to be. got their Opti slide on the inside, which to be honest with you, the, mo the more we get through this, like one of the better sliding materials. Uh, we hear that feedback continuously Correct. from Brian's Primo. User. Brian's Primo material. So yes, it is the Opti slide and that's more so how they actually build the cap plate and the actual knee together. In terms of for the pad sliding and the material, yes, that is their Primo material that you're seeing there. Um, the optic pads always have a bit of a steeper curve, but this really helps to aid um, in getting that kind of arrowhead shaped butterfly as you drop down. You can see that profile on it there. That's correct. Um, great overall feel. Um, definitely a fan of how it's playing in terms of the way the modern style is. Um, and once again, it's just how awesome are these colors? Like we just can't highlight that enough. So um, if you definitely want to talk about it a little bit more, check them out. You can give us a call here at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. We can go through what we got. Definitely check the pictures out. We have the colorways up on the website, thehockeyshop.com. Have a look. If something fits your fancy, you can give a call. We can work something out and get them, get them out to you. Cam's all about fitting your fancy, folks. Give him a call, and he'll get you set up in this sharp-looking set of Brian's Slash Graphics. Exclusive. Graphics source for hockey. Dun, dun, dun. And if you're listening to the podcast, love that you're here, and you want more on that, where can they see the video version? YouTube. Yeah. YouTube. Have you heard of YouTube, YouTube. before? It's a fairly big website. I've heard of YouTube. Well, I'm asking you guys to, to help me promote it, <laughs> all right? Well, I, and truthfully, in Goal Media, so on YouTube. YouTube.com slash in Goal Media.
So Ingle Media is the account on YouTube, YouTube. But don't forget, we also share it. We'll share links on our Twitter. I'm pretty sure we put it also on our reels on IG. Used to be IGTV, but you know they can't keep up with these things now. It's just reels. So we got our, it'll be on our Instagram page. It'll be everywhere. You want to check it out? We'll have it there for you. And every one of these podcasts, if you go to ingolmag.com, you could listen to the podcast there if you don't want to listen to it in your favorite podcast provider. And then right underneath where you listen to the podcast, we link the video graphic there. And I'm pretty sure we also have a page for all the gear reviews that will take you to the YouTube page on ingolmag.com. So there's lots of great ways to do it. That new store, like it, it's still got that beautiful draw to it where you walk in and it's so unique and heavenly. Goal, Isn't that, it, yep, goalie heaven we couldn't use. Goalie Utah, like it's massive, man. We got to get you up here, Darren. You haven't been here since it opened. It's pretty spectacular in there, over 30,000 square feet, and it's just packed full of. You know, hockey, we'll give the players their due. They're on one side, goalie in the corner, but Cam's got it pretty well dialed in and set up there. And actually, there's been some changes. Maybe we need to do a new walkthrough video like we did when they first opened. We did that walkthrough video. Cam's changed a whole bunch of the setups. Like, you know how like look good, feel good, play good matters? So every time you'll see our video, quite often you'll see in the backdrop over the right-hand side of our shoulders, there's like a big hockey shop logo and underneath it is an empty net. What you don't see is that opposite of that net is a mirror. So you actually get, like, talk about the mirror test. You can put on your gear, get sized, get oh. fit, drop into a butterfly in front of the net and look and see how you look uh, in the mirror right across from you. So, which I, you know, was actually done, on, not to give Cramp, Camp too much credit, but he actually did that on purpose. It was all part of a plan. So it's pretty cool uh, what they've done in there and they've changed some of, some of the location on stuff. So, Everything sort of down low that you need to grab, you can grab, uh, especially gloves and blockers. So when a guy like me goes in there, he can try everything on, leave a total mess behind. He doesn't hide anything up where you don't have to ask for help getting it getting it down. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's constantly much like their staff in terms of improvements and the position itself and the gear. The hockey shop goalie utopia corner is constantly evolving. If you check out this week's video as Kevin talks about goalie utopia... There's just a little bit of a teaser footage walking through part of the goalie section. So you can see some of it. And uh, as Woody says, maybe we'll bring you a little bit more one of these days. That mirror has been real trouble though, Darren, because normally we've got, what, an hour and a half, two hours to do some of these video shoots. And Woody gets dressed up in that gear and sees himself in the mirror and it's hard to drag him away. It's true. Do you just like fall in love with the His beautiful very person, person back is in the you. mirror right yep. there? Yeah, I mean, the only thing missing is a microphone so I could hear the sound of my own voice. That is a good idea, though, with the with the mirror. Like, who doesn't just enjoy a little bit of reinforcement or... Oh, hey, who doesn't do it during a game, turn around and look in the glass to see how you look? I don't know what he's taught. That's why I like the old rinks. You they're, know you they're, do. They're more reflective. You can't... The, the, some of the new glass doesn't, doesn't uh, give you that real bounce back feeling. And it's it's too well, too it, clean. The old rings, you can. There's a reflection there. There's a practical element to this too, like with the mirror. Like you want to know what, what, like say chest protectors, right? Like, and hey, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm getting text messages from NHL goalie coaches asking about how certain guys are wearing and what they're wearing because of how they're presenting in games. They're seeing guys that just look bigger than others, and what chest protector is that? What better way to figure that out yourself 
than to have a mirror so you can look like, hey, this, yeah, this unit feels great, but oh man, I look tiny or oh man, I look huge. That matters. Presentation matters. And so you can have a chance to sort of see how you look in the mirror. It's not just look good, feel good. It's look huge. We just had a free puck handling tip in this segment too. You go back to get the puck behind your net, look in the glass and you can see the forecheck coming towards you. Mm-hmm. You should definitely be getting your head on a swivel to look at things, but there's a little tip in the glass. Nah, it's secondary yeah, compared down to my feet. I look really good right now. I, sh- I should probably move the puck, but I look really good right now. That's part of the problem, right? Getting so distracted. <laughs> and then next thing you know, the puck's in the net. Oh, hey, I had a Stuart Skinner moment at Beer League. How so? You broke your stick, stick Got out, went out super aggressive to play a puck. Like I'm buried. I'm in the corner. I got two guys coming at me, but I got an easy chip on, on the wall to a guy at the blue line and start a breakout. And I, I go to do it. And the, the paddle had cracked uh, or sorry, not the paddle, the, uh, the blade had cracked. And so I went to move it and it just, no snapped in half. There was no, there was no leverage. <laughs> so I basically just. Like, well, no, because that would have been a penalty. I basically panicked and I froze and I tried to throw it using the heel of the stick up the boards and then retreated to my net as fast as I could and got lucky that they didn't pop it into the empty one. But yeah, it was my the closest I'll ever get to Stuart Skinner was that moment. Hutch, your point and answer was was right on the money. Jump on the pocket. But but nobody wants to Take do that because your first reaction is you try and shoot it, your stick breaks, and then you, you panic trying to move the puck. Just fall on it. Because you're probably going to get a, yeah, you have a better I mean, chance to get away with it would even have the guts to call that penalty, probably. But yeah, I think you fall on it. You take the two-minute yeah. delay of game. Or somebody might just show some sympathy towards you and just say, yeah, that was a tough one. And they, they may not know the rule or, or be uh, as up-to-date with it. And you might get away with that. Or, or it's beer league. You just sort of make it look like you fell by yeah. accident and you couldn't help Ice it. Ice is slippery. It happens. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Woody's just commenting on the confidence he has on his penalty killers. Do you have to use your warm-up Couldn't stick after to take that? The penalty. Yeah, maybe I'm commenting on the confidence I have in the referees to, to, to forget the penalty on me. I'd probably get buried by the forecheck and they still wouldn't call anything. <laughs> How was the warm-up stick for the rest of the game? It did okay. It was, it was noticeably heavier. Yeah. I will say that. It was interesting to note how much heavier it is, but it's a similar... It has the same length of paddle and it has the same curve and lie... On the blade. So the only thing, but it was noticeably heavier. That was kind of funny to sort of sw- switch it over and be like, oh, this is heavier. As I asked you that, I it crossed my mind that you could possibly have been taking three sticks out there all this time. Like a, a warm-up stick, a game stick, and a backup stick. And I'm, and I'm glad backup. to hear that's not happening in your men's league. Yeah, no, come on, let's be honest here. Like I get chirped enough by you guys without doing that. Hey, if people are listening to this still as we ramble on about broken sticks, I would love people to write in and tell us, what is the greatest number of sticks you've gone through in a season? Because I'm billeting right now a junior A goaltender, he was playing U18 last season, who told me he went through no fewer than 31 sticks in a season. That's crazy. And don't, don't blame it on a brand. That was three different brands. Don't blame it on being the premium lightest stick in the market. He was going second tier, so it'd be a little bit heavier and stronger. 31 sticks in a season. Can anybody beat that? I know, and I'm not going to name names, but I know an American Hockey League franchise, and this is now going back a bit because the franchise has since switched ownership, but I know of an American Hockey League franchise 
that seven or eight years ago told their goalies if they were going to use carbon fiber sticks, their maximum on the season they were allowed to order was 12. So they would have been absolutely up the creek without a stick or paddle in that situation. 31 sticks. Yeah, it's remarkable. Imagine isn't it? being his dad at $300 a stick. Well, I, I'm sure they weren't all $300 because, like I said, many of them were the, the lower tier models, probably because dad was getting a bit frustrated. I can't blame him. I'd be losing my mind. Yeah. That's, that's $9,000. Oh, at $300 a piece. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Plus tape. So you want to be probably a goalie. has the preferred customer card at the hockey shop or something. And I do know he shops at the hockey shop. Wow. That's extreme. Even by modest standards, you're like, okay, you've had a bad season and it's you've crazy, got a lot of sticks uh, yeah. or bad luck season with that. Wow. We forget staying so out for even extra if, work. Even if, even if you can't beat 31, let us know it's the most. I'd love to hear from people. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. I'm going back to an old, uh, plywood Sherwood. If, if my kid goes through 20 sticks, I'm, I'm hitting that. But we've got our, you know, that full plastic road hockey stick that you used to yeah. just put a shaft into, you know, the paddle yeah. and blade. Yeah. I, I remember that. Uh, we've got our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, uh, straight ahead. Uh, Corey Schneider's making his way in from the green room and Sensorina, Sensorina VR, I've uh, got, uh, the ongoing process of letting you take shots from NHLers. Yeah. And you know, the best thing about sense arena, you can make all the stick saves you yes. want. And I don't think you ever break a stick. Right. Sense arena is realistic, but the one thing they fall down on is your stick doesn't break. You don't have to go get a new one. No, look, sense arena is the best way to train as a goaltender off the ice you get to take shots. You get to take all the shots you want. You don't need to go out and buy ice. You don't need to have any stingers. You don't need to have any extra wear and tear on your body. But you can learn to read shots, learn to read plays. You can take shots from NHL goaltenders. You can do it in different rinks. You can do it for different teams. You can audition to be Andre Vasilevsky's replacement if you want by facing NHL shooters. And now they've got all sorts. Like they always have new stuff they're adding in. Every time there's a new release, you get access to the latest, greatest version of Sense Arena. And they've added some new neurocognitive drills. They've added NHL com components. There's just all sorts of amazing stuff on there. We are all excited that hockey is back. We are all excited that our first games are beginning in different leagues all around the world. Why not grab Sense Arena today? and see if it can become part of your training for this season. Maybe it's for your off days. Maybe it's to warm up before you hit the ice. Maybe you're on one of those teams where every coach starts with a three-on-O drill, and you might want to just get your eyes warmed up before that happens. Put on Sensorina before you hit the ice. There are just so many things it can do, but you got to see it to believe it, because as we've talked about on here before, it is incredibly realistic. If you already have an Oculus headset, Head to sensorina.com and grab the free seven-day trial. If you don't, grab the monthly or the annual plan to save even more. And don't forget to use the code IGM50 and you'll save even more. It's just an incredible tool, but you got to try it to believe it, Darren. The Sensorina Sensorina VR interview uh, involves Corey Schneider, Schneids, uh, 
from the Vancouver Canucks in his early days. And, uh, of course, uh, moving on to other stops in the National Hockey League. And I loved his dedication, the way he, he continued to play, even though he wasn't uh, a front-line National Hockey League goaltender uh, towards the end of his career. Uh, this was one that, uh, that I know was uh, special to you, Woody. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Corey Schneider. I sort of came up here in Vancouver as I was covering the team and got to know him really well. And he's also been a really big supporter of In Goal Radio uh, and the podcast. I think it's his third time on the show. Um, Yeah, so many, like he's just such a student of the position. And no matter what he does next, and it sounds like maybe that'll be a little bit of broadcasting, he's going to be so good at it because he sort of sinks himself right in and really wants to understand it. And he's like... He's just such a good guy. Like he's such a good person that you can't help but cheer for him. You can't help but, you know, those conversations, they're engaging. And so you engage with him and he'll be able to get information from his conversations with other national hockey leaguers if that's the route he goes and onto more of the oh the the media side of things as a TV analyst. Like I just think uh whatever he decides to do, I can't wait to see it because he'll be good at it. And that includes uh, this conversation with us, sort of walking back through his career, the decision, which wasn't an easy one. I mean, I watched some games, Darren. This guy could still play uh, watching in the American Hockey League. He just, his family situation was such that he was only going to play um, close to home. And that meant he was in the Islanders organization where the two guys ahead of them were, were Sorokin and Varlamov, which might, and as he says in this interview, arguably the best tandem in the National Hockey League. And so that was a tough spot for him in terms of getting an opportunity. That was the one thing I wished. I wanted to see him a little more in the NHL because I really do think where his game got to the last season and a half, uh, he would have he would have impressed some people. And so it's a loss. Like the you know the NHL is better with Corey Schneider in it. But happy to hear he'll be around the game as as we get into in this interview in some capacity. Um, because like I said, the, the league. Hockey in general is better when Corey Schneider's a part of it. Well, he's set up. He's ready to go. He's in the room. And we turn it over to you and Corey for a great conversation on In Gold Radio, the podcast. Really excited to welcome back to the In Gold Radio podcast. Third time guest. So you're up there in the upper tier. Corey right. Schneider. I wish that... the. I feel I said really excited, but I'm not excited that you're retired because the game's gonna miss Corey <laughs> Schneider. Hockey is better with Corey Schneider in it, but you seem like you're at a really good place with this. So walk us through the news this week that you've you've decided to hang him up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny to say that because the one thing I have learned throughout my career is that the game the game moves on regardless with or without you. So I think you have to understand you're just a piece of it, and you're just. Uh, blessed to be a part of it in any, any way, shape or form and to have been, you know, 16 years in professional hockey. It's uh, more than I could have ever asked for. So I'm, uh, like I said, from that standpoint, I'm, I'm pretty at peace with it. Um, you know, I think I actually knew a while ago, you know, even the last couple of years have been a little, little, not rocky, but just, uh, you know, not necessarily what I expected or hoped for, but it's just the path that my career took and um, having getting bought out by Jersey and 2020 and then COVID hit. Um, it just felt like a lost year and a half for me. You know, I, I played my last game, I think, before the shutdown at, at 33, and I didn't play again until I was like 35, almost 36. So I literally lost almost two years of, of my career potentially on the back end. So, um, you know, I think the island was good for me in the COVID year, even though I didn't get a chance to get in the game, uh, just to be around the team and to work on my game and get my confidence back. And I uh, just feel like an NHL player again, I think, was was important to me. And I think it showed me I still had something left. So I didn't want to shut it down. And then. I, I, I probably could have if I wanted to, but... Uh, I was willing to, to keep playing, even if it meant the American League for a bit. And um, you never know what's going to happen from there. And, 
you know, I think fortunately for the Islanders, you know, they got Sorokin and, and Varley who are just lights out and probably the best tandem in the league, if you're being honest. And they stay really healthy, which is great for them and, and the Islanders. So that's what you want. And, uh, you know, not so much for you. Exactly. But I knew that coming into it. I understood what the deal was and, and what my role would be. And, uh, you know, Lou was very clear about it. So I, I knew it. I just wanted to play. I just hadn't played competitive hockey in almost two years. So for me, it was more just about getting your timing back, your mentality, like all the things that go into being a goalie uh, had just sort of left me for the last two years. So for me, it was nice to just play competitive hockey again. And even if it was the American League, which is not always the easiest league for goalies, I found out again. <laughs> when you're younger, you kind of just roll with it. But when you're older, you're so used to certain structures and systems in the NHL. When you go to the American League, it's it can be a challenge because guys are learning. It's a developmental league, so it's to be expected. But uh, anyways, you know, having played there, just kind of, you know, I played really well that that first year, mostly in Bridgeport. Got the game up at the Islanders. Felt good, you know. Felt like I could still play. So, you know, even going to last year, I wasn't sure if I was going to come back again. But I decided to just because we were settled here in, in Fairfield, Connecticut, which is pretty much where Bridgeport was. And, you know, again, I just didn't want to didn't want to go away too soon. I knew guys said they walked away sooner than they should have or when they kind of were forced out. And that was one piece of advice I got was just keep playing until you feel like you can't or you don't want to anymore. And I still wanted to. So, you know, last year, again, was a lot of fun. It was it was good to play again. But uh, I think it just finally you know, just caught up to me where, Hey, look, you know, I, I don't want to do the American league again. Um, the odds of playing the NHL again are pretty slim, you know, barring being a number three again, which would entail being in the American league. So, um, it was either, either that or, or Europe and, um, you know, being a dual citizen with Switzerland, I, I had some pretty strong interest over there for some good teams. And I played there in the lockout in 2012, 13 and had a great experience. So it, it was something I strongly considered, but I think at the end of the day, you know, my body and my mind, I think we're just, just ready to, to stop, you know, cause it is a grind, no matter if you're playing 30 games in the Swiss league or 50 games in NHL, being a goalie, it's, you can't really turn it off. So you have to be ready to commit to the mental grind and the intensity and, and the physical aspects. So I think at that point, I just said, you know what, I don't, I don't think it's going to be worth it. So, uh, yeah, back around June, July, I decided that was probably going to be it. So I think some close people knew, I, I told the Islanders, I let them know. Um, but you know, it didn't really become public until this past week when, uh, I did an interview with my local newspaper from back in, in Marblehead and Salem and that sort of spilled the beans a few days later. So it was kind of funny cause I just, I never wanted to make like an announcement. I didn't want to make it about me. And it just sort of came out in that interview and I just it never crossed my mind that, oh yeah, people are going to pick up on this and start reaching out and <laughs> congratulating me. Cause I just, I, that's not really who I am. So I wasn't really expecting it, but it's been great to see all the people, you know, come out and wish me well and say congratulations. So it's meant a lot. Some what are some of the give us an idea of where, how how deep that list of text messages ran? I'm guessing <laughs> oh, you were on your phone for a few days. Yeah, I have been. You know, unfortunately for my wife, I've been kind of busy on my phone, just kind of because I'm, I'm somebody who likes to try to get back to people as soon as I can, because otherwise I won't. <laughs> if I forget about it, I put it off, and uh, I'll have a hard time circling back and doing it. So I like to try to respond as I can. But you know, obviously former teammates, current you know teammates, uh, guys I play with in Vancouver, New Jersey. I probably have more media interest in Vancouver, to be honest, than um, than Jersey or down for sure. But uh, you know, former coaches that I, I wasn't expecting, um, you know, staff members, media members, uh, friends and family, people like that. So um, you know, nothing too crazy or out of the ordinary, but uh, just just a list of people who you know I've spent time with and. Uh, cross paths was even if just for a little while. So it was nice of them to reach out and just say, you know, how great it was to play together. Cause sometimes you don't realize either the impact you have on somebody or that, uh, you know, maybe it meant as much to them as you thought. So it's, it's always nice to, to hear that. I was going to say, I, the reason I would expect it to be deep is because of the person you are and the impact you had, no matter where you went and how you treated people, right? Like there are a lot of Corey Schneider fans. I mean, in the goalie world, massive, 
But even outside of the holy <laughs> world, there are a lot of Corey Schneider fans out there. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Kind of a like tough spot for you with the Islanders because that was geographically what worked for you. But as you said, sure. it was always going to be tough. I watched some games in the AHL. I looked at the numbers. I was like, this guy can still play. Was there any temptation to to chase it somewhere else, or is that just too hard on the family at this point? Yeah, you know, again, unless it was a surefire sort of guaranteed thing, which I don't know was out there at that point of, you know, hey, you're going to be the backup, or hey, you're going to be off and play. Because uh, like you said, it, you know, I, I didn't want to uproot the family to go play somewhere else in the American League um, for another opportunity. We, we, you know, uh, where we are now is a great middle ground between New York, New Jersey, where we have a lot of connections and people, and then Boston, where we're both from. So. And uh, the kids love where we are. So we moved around quite a bit the last few years between the buyout and then Long Island and then Fairfield. So you, you start thinking about all the moves you made. And for the kids, is they finally have a school they love and, and a group of people that we've gotten really close with. So it's like, am I really going to uproot this to go chase it somewhere else for a, you know, a 10%, 20% chance of playing in NHL? Like maybe once upon a time, but at this point in my career, I think it just, you know, that took precedent and we're, we're very happy here. So. Um, you know, maybe at the deadline last year, the year before, if anybody's sniffing around for the end of the year, you know, maybe do a six weeks, a couple of months, that's more doable, maybe long distance, but, um, in terms of picking up and starting over somewhere else in an organization that I wasn't quite familiar with, uh, it, it didn't really cross my mind. And even the summer, I got a, a few phone calls or a few messages saying, uh, you know, is he still playing? Is he interested potentially in a number three or a PTO? But again, at that point, it's not, not what I was looking for. So, it, you know, it, again, it did cross my mind because you do want one more crack at it, but. You know, is it worth, again, chasing it for something that may not ever happen and, you know, them being away from my family or making them, you know, uproot and move again. So it just didn't seem, seem to make sense. So if Assy has back surgery, you didn't call your agent five minutes <laughs> later. I, I did. I did tell my wife that I said, I think I retired a, a day too early, but I think if I, I think if I showed up at the lightning training camp today, I would be having the exact same surgery tomorrow. If I'm being honest, <laughs> like I said, I've, no, I've known since June. So it's not a situation where like I've been staying ready and training and, you know, in case a phone call comes, like I've kind of been training at my own pace and my own needs and not really doing the hockey stuff. So I've, like I said, I've kind of checked out mentally. So even if they did call, I'd probably say thanks, but no thanks. Um, will you, this is, this is a question that probably only goalie people would ever ask. So you love the game a lot. You went and saw you went and played in the, um, the hall of fame game. Uh, even when you were still playing, you love being around the game. Will Corey Schneider don the pads again? <laughs> <laughs> or, or are you going to be like Roberto out there dangling, thinking, thinking you're a sniper now? Like this is something that very, like this is a big topic among goalies. They never seem to want to put them back on. Where you, where you sit on that one? Yeah, I'll never say never. My my inclination is to go the Roberto route and and never put him on again. I think my gear is actually still at the rink in Bridgeport. I haven't even picked it up yet. Um, so like that's that probably tells you where my mind's at. And I've always joked with my buddies and my brother that I'll come play men's league as a puck moving defenseman, and, and that'll be my second act. But. uh you know, I say never, but, you know, if something came along, an alumni game or the right opportunity, maybe a charity event or something that really meant a lot or it was important, uh, you know, I would consider it. But for now, it's, you know, I don't want to see him for a while or even think about putting the pads on again. So I got I to gotta ask, like, and, you know, I think I know the answer because other guys have said it, but why do you think that is? Why does that happen? Because, like, you weren't just a guy who played goal, Corey. Like, you were a real student of the position. You loved the position, at least... I maybe I made you talk about it a lot, but it seemed like you love talking about the position, the intricacies of it, the nuances of it. Why is it that once you're done that 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 it becomes so like you like every guy, pretty much every guy doesn't want to touch him again? 
Uh, I think talking about it's easier than doing it, especially at this stage. There there are some days, even when I was playing this past year, where, you know, I'd show up and say, oh man, this is going to be a tough one. Or like you'd have one of those hour and a half American League practices. And by the end, I was like, man, that was, that took a lot out of me. So uh, I think it's more just the actual doing it as opposed to the theorizing or talking about a part that, and and honestly, God, I mean, the worst part these days is actually putting the equipment on. It takes, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get all your gear on and put all your pads and certain things in the right setting. And it's almost just the actual act of, you know, I always said that. And I think my agent, Mike Liu, who helped me a lot in my career, because he played, he played the position. He's one of the few agents who played it and then can actually talk to you about it in a, in a meaningful way. But, you know, he sort of joked, uh, you know, it's, oh, hi, honey. Thank you. So this is retirement right now. I get, I get necklaces for my daughter. They're, Say, it's thank it's you. a beautiful necklace. <laughs> thank you, Remy. Hi. I will. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, when I started playing a lot in New Jersey, you know, Mike would say it's not so much the 10 or 15 minute pregame skate that you got to do. It's the 25 minute warm up and stretch. And then the, you know, 10, 15 minutes it takes to put the gear on. And then the 10, 15 minutes it takes to take the gear off. And then, you know, the cold, t- it's like, that's the stuff that's the hard part. Being on the ice is easy. The 10, 15 minutes you skate is not the problem. It's the amount of energy and, um, you know, time it takes to get yourself ready to go, especially as you get older. So. Uh, I think that sort of struck me once I began playing a lot more because it is sometimes it's nice to go to the rink and just mentally in the morning, not have to think about all that and just, you know, stretch and get your body ready for the game that night and mentally. And, you know, as you get older, I think when I was younger, as you know, in Vancouver, we always morning skated and we always took shots because it just, you felt like you had to, once you get past that hump and you're like, Oh, I, I can play a game tonight without taking shots in the morning. Um, it sort of simplifies things a little bit and saves some energy. Well, okay. So there's two parts there. I want to ask, like one is that, um, you, this would seem to be support for my theory of when a goalie who is a workhorse is playing a ton but gets a night off, it should actually be a night off as opposed to backing up because all those things you just talked about, they have to do. Right. Yeah, you can't really mentally unplug if you're the backup. You still have to be engaged and focused and get your body ready. And, you know, there are some nights where, you know, I when I was playing a lot more that I probably was less engaged or less ready than I should have been as a backup, just because like you said, it's all right, tonight's my night off. And I know being the backup, some nights you just have to sit in there and just take a beating, you know, cause Hey, you're struggling, but it's a night off for the starter. So you, you got to sit there and take the six or seven if we're not playing well. And that's, that's your job. So, um, it's not always the case. I mean, it depends on the situation, but like you said, it, it is, you know, it's not always a night off, but, um, cause something could happen, you get hurt. You have no choice. You got to go in. So, um, that's, you know, maybe should have that third goalie, the taxi squad goalie there off the cap just to, just to have for those, those, those moments. Okay. So I'm saving that clip. That's going to end up in a story somewhere because hundred percent, I've been pushing that one for about six years now, maybe even longer. The second one is, Hey, like as much as it takes 15 minutes to get dressed, now I know why you switched over. I th- and I don't know if you switched back, but did you end up in the connect skates? Like, like- I did. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> so like, think about how much less it takes to get dressed now with, with, with skates, with buckles, and I'm assuming the pads strip. that had velcro, like, or you didn't still Not have sure. leather straps on the pads. It's way easier than the old days, buddy. That is true, actually. It did cut down the time immensely, but I think I just started moving slower in my old age that I took my time. <laughs> just, I, I savored it a little bit more instead of rushing through it like I used to when I was younger. Did you end up, I, I'm curious, because I remember, I think you were in them, and then Varley tried them, and, and when yeah. I talked to him, by the time he came through town, he was telling me how much better his hips felt. So I'm just curious, yeah. as a guy who played for a long time, what was your, you know, you were still trying new things right to the end because you like, yeah. you were always looking for an edge. What did you like about him? Yep. 
I love them, man. I just, uh, I wish they'd come along sooner because I tried all the player state type ones. I just never liked them, but um, they had the four millimeter width on the steel, which I loved. I can never get into those three millimeters. I felt like I was on stilts. Um, so it had the four millimeter, which was huge for me. And then, yeah, just whatever it was with the fit or the shape or the pitch, it just pitched me right. It just, I all of a sudden could grab my edge so much more easily. You know, I was always blowing edges with the cowlings and, um, you know, kind of feeling a little bit stuck with my feet, it felt heavier and these just felt lighter and more agile and, uh, I guess move around in them. So, uh, yeah, Varley blew my mind because I think I had been up before that and, uh, to start the year. And so he and I were messing around with them and just talking about them. And I think literally he got a pair and I got sent down. And then the next, like three nights later, I, I'm watching the game and MSG's got the in net camera against the Rangers and he's got those skates on. And I'm like, dude, you went from like, you just put these skates on and played at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers in two days. He's like, yeah pretty much. I'm like, you're an animal. Cause I could never, ever do that. So I think he tweaked him a bit after that. He, it took him some time to like dial him in. So like he, he might've done that on a whim, but he said he really liked him afterwards. So I think, um, there's about a weak adjustment. Once you get into those things, they're, they're hard to take off. Um, the only issue I had was towards the end of my season though, is wherever that buckle I was clamping down, I got like really bad lace bite. I was like, how do you get lace bite without laces? laces. Like, it was, yeah, there's a spot on my foot that it took until about like a month ago to go away. But like, it just every time I stepped on the ball on my foot, it was so painful. So I don't know if that was from the skates or just being old, but you know, that's just another one of those little things where I'm like, all right, am I going to do another season? I have to grind through like my foot hurting every time I walk and stuff. So it was just one of those little things that adds up to, to make your decision to hang them up. Well, hey, like there's no such thing as stock when it comes to goalies. So uh, I think it was Connor Ingram that showed us he actually took that buckle off completely. And just, okay, well, just, just played with the ankle buckle. So hey, we're always looking yeah. to modify things, right? Like we don't That's we don't right. believe in stock skates. Exactly. So I, I've digressed here as I tend to do, but as as you as you look back on it and you've you've looked back on it a fair amount this week, as you said, I've seen you, I think, on every show here in <laughs> Vancouver this <laughs> week. You're getting tired of me already. It's only been ten years and already tired of me. Uh what uh, what are the memories that jump out the most through your career? Like what do you you know, when people ask you that, what's what's the first couple of things that jump out uh that you'll take away? Yeah, I think um I think just the opportunities that I had to play at, at Boston College, um, being a Boston kid was and you know, I I never dreamed of that growing up. I was, you know, I like the bean pot, I like college hockey, but I was never like, Oh, I gotta go to this school, I got but I ended up being at BC and um just play with an incredible group of people there. Just um from the coaching staff on to the players, guys, I'm still really close with Brian Boyles of the world, Peter Harold, Steve Giantas, um, you know, Andrew Alberts, those kind of guys who uh, ended up playing. I played with them in, in the pros too as well, which was so funny. So I think having gone there and meeting me, having met those people and had the chance to play in, in bean pots and frozen fours and national championship games was truly special. And then, um, you know, it's funny. I got a, actually one of the, cooler text I got was from Mark Chipman who, you know, was the Jets, but owned the Moose. And when I got to the Moose, you know, I was, you know, kind of the opposite of, you're not in Kansas anymore. I was going from like the city to Winnipeg and I was kind of like, wow, this is an adjustment. And, um, the way they ran that organization for the American league, you could tell they wanted an NHL team. So they had an NHL building an NHL locker room and they wanted to win and it mattered. And I think for me and my growth, that was hugely important to play at a place like that. People say, Oh, it's Winnipeg, but it's like, no, that was, that was the best American league spot to play. in, I think, and I think it really prepared me to play in Vancouver between the, the expectations and some media coverage and the fan base. So like, I think having gone there was a huge advantage for me. And then obviously Vancouver, just the teams we had, the players that played there, you know, getting to play with three hall of famers, you know, at the time and a lot of other really, really good players and good people that, um, you know, that's a team that will, you know, I would kind of came on the later end of it or the back end of that core group of guys, but, um, you know, I feel like we could all get together tomorrow and, and have a great time and a pretty good hockey team too. So 
um, like I said, just, just starting your career like that is, was truly special. I think sometimes you don't realize it in your youth cause you're so caught up in it and you're just trying to get there and make it and stay. Um, but looking back now, like what a fun time that was to be in, in that city with those teams and come within a game of the cup, winning the cup, which, you know, we'll, we'll always, you know, kind of wish you had, but it doesn't take away from anybody's career, what they've accomplished. And, um, then on to New Jersey where, you know, not having known a lot about it, but being close to Boston, settling down, having kids, my kids were both born there and, um, just having it feel like home. So New Jersey was a good place for us at that time of our lives. And obviously, you know, you wish you had more success on the ice, but, um, you know, again, just a tremendous group of people there who I've met and stayed in touch with and, uh, hopefully know going forward. So again, it's, it's all just, it, you know, it's fun to look back and reminisce and, uh, I don't regret anything. You know, you, you, sometimes you might say, Oh, well, I wish this had happened or, well, what if that had happened? But again, everyone's got their own path and you can't, there's some things you just can't control and you just have to make the best of it. And, uh, I'd like to think that I did. And, you know, my family came along for the ride and I'm really, you know, uh, happy that they were there for that. And that my wife and my kids were supportive of me and came to so many games and got to see me do what I love doing, which is, is really special. And not everyone gets that chance either to, to share that with, with the people you love. So I think that was a, a really cool experience as well for me. Was it always like the way you handled it, it, it kind of seemed just like it sounds now in terms of your approach, but there were times, but were there times like at the end of the day, like you said, you can't control any of it, but, but your first two stops, you're stuck behind hockey hall of famers or whip pl- playing not behind yeah. isn't behind isn't even the right word. Cause you played toe to toe with them, right? Like, and challenged them for yeah. starts and took starts from both of them. But you know, like, is it hard to sort of maintain that, you know, like, geez, if only things, maybe this opportunity being a little different at this time. Yeah. You know, again, it's, it's, it's easy to look at it that way and maybe I could or should, but you know, what if I had gone to a different organization and been thrown in the fire at 22 or 23 and I wasn't ready and I flamed out because I just wasn't prepared. Um, you know, I learned so much from Roberto in those years in terms of how hard I had to work to be an NHL goalie. You know, I thought I knew what hard work was, and then I practiced with him every day, and I was like, oh, this is hard work. Um, so I think that really allowed me to grow and develop and um, become the goalie I was. I don't know if I would have become that, that goalie if I didn't have that opportunity to work with Ian Clark and Rolly Melanson and Roberto. And then you, you, you come to Marty, and yeah, I mean, um, part of being a goalie is dealing with adversity. That, you know, it may not always go the way you want. You may not always get what you want, but you have to still perform and play. And um, not for nothing, Marty, just learning from him too, just watching his demeanor, how he handled the puck, how he went about his business. Like he's the best of all time. And uh, you know, to, to be able to play with two guys who had posters on your wall, it was still pretty cool at the end of the day. You know, it's uh, not everyone gets that opportunity either. So I, you know, I try to take the positives away from it. Cause again, you can piss and moan and pout and be upset about stuff, but at the end of the day, you just got to go out and stop the puck when you have the chance to. And I just, that was what I tried to do. And, um, picking things up from that along the way was, I think, a bonus. I was going to say, like, it sounds like it's it, like the way I asked the question is like the perfect example of the fan and I guess the media mindset. And you are always in the athlete's mindset. Yeah, for sure. Because, again, you still have to remember your teammate, you know, and and Marty Bruder is Marty Bruder. This guy is it's like coming in and competing with Tom Brady for reps with the Patriots. You know, it's like this guy's earned everything he's gotten. I understand the situation like. He, he is the New Jersey Devils and he has been for 20 plus years. So, you know, who am I to come in here and just sort of, you know, demand this or demand that or expect this or be a crappy teammate? Like it's, you know, you have to be aware of those things. And, and Marty was always nice to me. You know, I'm sure he didn't like it either. He, he's a competitor and he wanted to play too. So I'm sure his feelings were, were the exact same, but we got along because we respected each other and 
Uh, we were we were on the same team trying for the same thing. So uh, there's also the dynamics that play that you have to be aware of too. That, you know, to be a good teammate, you have to you know sort of do what's best and read the room a little bit and not maybe put yourself first. We talked about gear a little bit. One of the lessons I was hoping you could pass along because, and I think it came from Mike Leud, who you've always already mentioned as your agent. Um, there were times in your career where you were a mutt, you were a mixture, right? Like I remember, <laughs> yeah. in, certainly in Vancouver, I remember, buddy, every company wanted you. I can remember, I think it was during that first, maybe it was a lockout where you guys had to drag your own gear to UBC. You had, you had a pair, you, it was like, it was like my dream. You had a pair of, <laughs> you had a pair of equipment from every company that existed yeah. out there. And yet you always stuck true to what you felt comfortable. And even if that meant for a long time, Vaughn pads and CCM gloves, What's that like as a young pro? Are there lessons there about like, hey, people are giving you equipment. They want you in their stuff, but the importance of sort of staying true to what you felt good with at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think I had a luxury of being in a position where I, I had that opportunity where people were trying to give me gear. I know some people like struggled to even get any gear. So I understand the other side of it. But uh, yeah, I, I honestly think it's just play with what you're comfortable in. You know, I'll never win any style points. I don't think some of the pictures I look out now, I... I kind of turn away from because it doesn't look optically very nice. But uh, to your point, you know, Mike said you're going to make a lot more money stopping pucks than you will wearing equipment that you don't like. And uh, so, I mean, I would say, you know, have an open mind and be open to change, but don't be afraid to say no or, or stick with what you're comfortable with. I think sometimes you get pressured into all oh, this guys, give me a set of gear. I have to wear it. Or, you know, like they're working so hard with me, you know, for my specs and all that. But like, I may end up going back to what I like and, I think you understand that you can't, you can't piss people off or, or, you know, string them along for too long, but equipment reps, they have a job to do too. And they send out samples and they get them back sometimes. So I think you just have to be aware of, Hey, at the end of the day, like what's, what do I like stopping pucks with the best? What do I catch better with? What do I feel more comfortable with? Cause you know, I've tried to shoehorn myself into gear sometimes and it just doesn't feel right. And it's the last thing you want when you're playing in the game is to be worrying about like, Oh, is this glove gonna? Is this puck gonna pop out of my glove when I try to catch it, or is this puck gonna squeak under my pads? I don't know how to strap it right. So, I think at the end of the day, it's just that peace of mind of knowing every inch of your equipment and how it's gonna react and respond is a better feeling than you know looking good or, or you know getting the newest and greatest. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. So, I learned that pretty early on. And some guys that they just hey they sit right in and they they wear it and they're totally fine with it. So it goes both ways, but. You know, I was, I guess, ner not neurotic about it while being neurotic about it because I was sort of reverted back to what I, I felt comfortable with. The equipment changed a lot over 16 years. So did the game. So did the technical side for goalies and the attacks. Like what, especially in the last couple of years, you saw it in the American League. You mentioned like the AHL is a game of mistakes. It can be difficult for goaltenders because things aren't where they're supposed to be as often. But as the game evolved, what like what did you see? What what do you where? Why is it so hard to be a goaltender right now? Is it has it ever been harder throughout those sixteen yeah. years than it is right now? I think it's a combination of two things on either side of the puck. I think offensively, guys, a the skill level is through the roof. And we talked about you know you have twelve guys in the forward group plus probably four defensemen who can all skate past shoot. And it used to be when I came in, is you had like two lines that could score, and you had a checking line that might chip in, and you had a fourth line that just played five minutes a night. In most cases, not all, but. You know, so the threats were, were much greater now than they were when, when I started. And also just the skill level and the patience these guys have. Because nowadays, like, guys will have a great A scoring chance and you'll be there ready to, to like, make the save. And they'll look you off and pull up and find the next guy. And it's just like, wait, why Why wouldn't you shoot that? You know, like, before it was like, you had a good chance. You shot it and you tried to score. But now it's like, mm, no, nah, I'm going to look for something better. And so you have to have your your patience, your feet underneath you, your balance. 
Cause there's always a third and fourth guy coming now. It's always somebody up in the rush. So you think you got him dead to rights. You think you've read the play perfectly. You think you have it and you're set and you're ready to go. And all of a sudden he slings it across the ice again to somebody else who's coming. So, you know, I think just the creativity and the patience of, of the offensive guys now is, is way higher than I think honestly, defensively, there's less of an emphasis. There's less, there's fewer guys who box out consistently, who pick up sticks consistently. They're always looking to jump into transition. They're always looking to get up the ice, which is great for entertainment and for offense, but sometimes I think on the on the defensive end, it, it's lacking. And I think that's why come playoff time, the teams that are better at those details or maybe have those guys who are willing to do that stuff tend to go farther, have more success because it's easy to be wheeling and dealing and, and skating in open ice and scoring goals. But when teams decide to start playing defense and know how to play defense, a lot of that space disappears. So I think that's going to be the challenge for uh, some teams and some players going forward is how to navigate through that and, and you know make that style of game work in the postseason. Reminds me of a conversation with Braden Holtby where he said his favorite defenseman to play behind was Carl Alsner, and a year later, Alsner's out of the league, right? That, that is a go. part exactly. of it that do, doesn't get talked about. So last one then, um, how do we adjust as goalies? Uh, you kind of mentioned it, keeping your feet seems to be the biggest one. Is it about training that? And I know, uh, well, I was going to say last one, but is that part of what's next for you? Have you decided? Is coaching something you think about or <laughs> just you talk about the game so well, will that be it? Yeah, we'll see. Again, that's kind of the beauty of the situation right now is I'm in my late 30s and I've done really well financially, which is great and, and really blessed to have that, that part of it, which has always been a, an added bonus, but it's never been what it's about. But again, uh, it's put me in a spot where I have options and I have time where I don't have to rush into something I don't want to do. And, you know, coaching is intriguing. I think it's it's a different game now that you have to be able to relate and um, connect with each individual player. You can't just sort of give a, you know, a blanket sort of statement or I'm going to be the bad guy and you guys have to fall in line. You know, sometimes that works, but I think nowadays you really have to be able to reach each player. So I think coaching is, is intriguing, but I think, you know, having gone from the schedule I've been in for the last 16 years to jump right back into it, then some, because coaches stay longer and do more video and they're in earlier and you get paid a lot less <laughs> at the first, at least. Um, you know, I'm not sure that's what I'm looking for right now, just for my family and, and for my life. And um, so, you know, maybe, maybe further down the line when the kids are older or something, but um, yeah, media has interest me. Uh, I do like talking about the game and um, have some offers, you know, just to start with to maybe get my dip my toes into maybe get get in get into it a little bit and see how it goes. Because who knows? Maybe I stink at it, or maybe I don't like it, or maybe whatever. But um, it's a good option to have just to stay relevant. I think the longer you're out of the game, the harder it is to get back into it and know what's going on and know who the players are. And, and you know, I think your name loses some value too the longer you're away from the game. Nobody really cares about you after a couple of years. So. I think to stay in and around it at the beginning is important. And then, um, you know, there's other things like, who knows, you know, my family, what's best for them, my wife, what she wants to do or, you know, wants us to do. It's, it's important as well because she's, you know, put her life on hold or, or supported me for 13 years now that I've known her and um, the kids, like, what do they need? What's best for them? Um, and then, you know, for me just being around and being there. So um, those are all things I'm weighing. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a whole other industry that I might get into. And maybe it's not hockey related. Maybe it's business or um, entrepreneurship, something else that I hadn't even really considered, but that, you know, I'm trying to just, I'm basically trying to use the network I've created in hockey to reach out to various people just to sort of pick their brains and, and see what they know. Cause, um, you know, when you're in hockey for 30 years, there's a lot you don't know about the rest of the world. And I've always tried to stay educated and up to date on it, but, uh, you know, I'm very aware of, of what I don't know. So I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and take my time and, and sort of pick and choose what I want to do, which is a nice place to be. I was just going to say that answer tells you everything you need to know about why you'll be successful no matter what you choose. As you going to say, you talk, talk about going different places, just ask your old teammate, Andrew Alberts, right? Like he's now working right. for Sense Arena Virtual Reality Hockey. Yep. Think, things right. 
things change fast, buddy. So best, exactly. best of luck as you navigate that. Um, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Really appreciate you making the time for the Ingo Radio Podcast. I know a lot of young goalies yeah. t- took some lessons away that'll help them with their game. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on and always a pleasure. So hopefully we'll run into each other in Vancouver one day. Uh, hey, careful what you wish for, buddy. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> How would you describe Corey now in retrospect, uh, his career and his uh, performance with different organizations, different circumstances? Uh, He was uh, under pressure, Vancouver, uh, in in that uh, element and then offered a uh, a really cool start, but uh, a start that uh, presented him as a savior in a way uh, to another organization. Where, Where do you summarize him? That's a really good question. Corey Schneider was a hell of a goalie like, yeah. for the longest time uh, until the last, you know, sort of the end stretch there. Like there was a point where he was like up there with Tuukka Rask in terms of the save percentage, like you know, one of the best save percentages among active goaltenders of all time, right? Like he he really did play at a really high level, but in some of his prime years, he was in a job share, right? And he talked about that, and I love his approach. I love the fact that he doesn't sort of. Like you could what if that to death, and and he doesn't. He seems at peace with it, right? Like rather than being like, oh man, what if I wasn't stuck behind or with alongside Roberto Luongo and then Martin Brodeur? Um, would there have been more different or better opportunities or more games played? And he certainly had the ability to play more games on pretty much any other team during both of those stints, right? But you're there with future Hall of Famers, and I, you know, the fact. He never let that affect his play or who he was as a person or a teammate in the room, I think speaks volumes. And the fact that he still sort of approaches, as I said in the interview, from an athlete mindset, not a fan mindset, like he doesn't look at the what if. He just appreciates the what was. And that was an opportunity to learn from two all-time greats and and become teammates with two all-time greats. And so um, I think there's lessons there for other goalies that might be in what if situations oh man like i'm playing great but i'm not playing enough because i got this other guy with me and just his approach right and the way he managed that allowed him to have a pretty remarkable career and play when it was his turn at an exceptionally high level for a very long time and i think because of the way things sort of ended around the pandemic and with the bio in new jersey i think it's easy to forget just how damn good this guy was for such a long stretch, the consistency right through those prime years was it was it was remarkable. You know what I appreciated about him and Hutch, uh, you uh, play off this, please. He, he was he was a structured goaltender, but wasn't locked into that. But he and as athletic as he was, he had control to his game, it, it, a, almost a perfect balance. I, I like the word perfect. I. When he was here in Vancouver, he was absolutely my favorite goaltender to watch play the game. I thought he had everything. I thought if I could design the way a goaltender yeah. could play, Corey Schneider would be it. And uh, I just thought it was, he was an incredible model for for how to play the game, and then obviously as a person for how to approach the game. Uh, and and I just I hadn't heard um, that side of the mental game that Woody was just going into there, Darren and I. I think as he said it's such a great lesson for everybody because as he mentioned in the interview 
he could what if, well, what if I'd been in another organization and flamed out because I got pushed too quickly? What if I didn't have the same development opportunities? And goaltenders everywhere, players everywhere, and their parents spend so much mental energy every I year. I do it at the grocery Am store. Am I in the right situation? Am I on the right team? Where should I play next year? And honestly, you don't have control over any of it. So go make the most of what you've been given. And that's exactly what Corey Schneider did and said. And what a great approach for everybody. Can't wait to uh, watch him in the media and uh, watch his career and uh, skills really develop. And as he gets more and more comfortable, like goaltending, uh, have his opinion uh, be shared uh, on a more broader sense. And that's going to be fun to watch uh, Corey Schneider take hold and uh, maybe more contributions here at Harriet in goal where there's a lot going on. There is, and there's more coming. Lots of pro reads coming. Uh, we're still digging through the video of Net360. We have, you know, we saw the examples in the past week from Kristen Campbell on advice on how to get better puck handling. We saw the game goalie tennis. That is like two drills out of five days of multiple sessions of drills that are up right now. We're still making our way through that. I apologize for being a little tardy. Life's been busy. Uh, we still have to get into the Devin Levi training video, right? Like we've barely scratched the surface with oh, Devin Levi. It's one of those drills I can't wait to get. There is so much stuff. And so all that is going to be coming to ingoalmag.com. Uh, we promise it's coming. It is a lot of work to sort through the amount of video we have. And as I said, life has been a little busy, but we're getting there, folks. Not only is the NHL season upon us, and that means new goalies coming through town here in Vancouver every week, sharing tips, sharing gear, sharing styles, sharing tape jobs. All those elements will come to ingoalmag.com, but also all the things we've done during the summer and are still in the process of producing will be released in the coming months. So if, like the Oakville Rangers, you want to get better as a goaltender, you're actively involved in your own development, or you're a parent of a young goaltender who wants to learn more about the position and how to help your young goalie, uh, guarantee you, there is no better value than ingoalmag.com premium membership. Make sure you check it out now at ingoalmag.com. If you've got any questions, you can always hit us up at info at ingoalmag.com. So yeah, we appreciate it. Again, th shout out to the Oakville Rangers for getting involved with us. If you're another organization, you're hearing that and thinking, hey, this might help my goalies because you're trying to figure out how to spend that goalie allocation development money. I guarantee you, we will be a tiny fraction of it. And everyone in your organization will get better, not just your goalies, but your goalie coaches and your goalie parents. And I'll leave you with this little tidbit, which you can follow up uh, when the Henderson Silver Knights or the Vegas Golden Knights uh, come through. Yuri Patera is the number three goaltender in the organization now. And talk to him about his offseason training and what he did. And his answer was a lot of eye exercises that his uh, trainer would give him a pen and a piece of paper. And I haven't got to the bottom of exactly what he did, did but it was uh, cognitive and eye exercises, but it involved just a simple pen and piece of paper. And when he comes through, you, you love to sit down and talk to the guys. I, I want to get that story, exactly what, uh, what Yuri uh, tackled with, uh, with that approach. I would love it if he'd join us on the podcast mm. to share some of that. Very good. Brows raised. Pardon the pun. Thanks. I'm not asking anybody to pardon it. You're brilliant. Hutch, I, I, I you know what? I think you're the cool, calm guy. Uh, I'm, I'm coming around to that. I thought you were the, the 
meat and potatoes uh, driving the operation, but you are. You're you're calm, cool, and the other guy over there to your to your left, he's he's a little uptight. He can take a chill pill every now and then, just based on today. Like I, I, I up until an hour and a half ago, I thought you were the most awesome, laid back dude in the world. Just switch spots. Yeah, no, I'm the psychopath in this operation. <laughs> Uh, thanks guys. Uh, have a good week and we'll talk to everybody next week on in goal radio, the podcast.